The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was ill. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, saying, Master, the one who you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, the illness, excuse me, when Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to the end in death, but it is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and you want to go back there. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles, because the light is not with him. He said this, and then told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awake him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death, while they thought that he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died, and I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, he went to meet him. She went to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, secretly saying, The teacher is here and asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews, who were with her in the house comforting her, saw that Mary quickly get up and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. And so the Jews said, See how he loved him. 
Some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something about this man so that he would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, so that they may believe you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. Not that long ago, I read a book entitled 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, 21st Century by Yuval Harari. And he wrote this line that I've been thinking about for a while, that we are at this very moment in our society, in this nihilist moment of disillusionment and anger. After people have lost faith in the old stories, but before they have embraced new ones. I've been thinking about that line this past week in relation to the story of Lazarus that we hear in our gospel today, as well as, as, well as the characteristics of his dying and rising, as well as some of the language we heard in our earlier reasons about flesh and spirit. Now at a glance, whenever the Bible talks about flesh, it seems to be speaking about attitudes of fear, selfishness, power, control, and the like. The spirit, on the other hand, is more closely associated with ideas around communion, service, and freedom. That is to say that these are not states that are being defined, as if to say that our humanity is somehow sinful, but they are attitudes that accompany these states. So Harari's basic point is that since the global financial crisis of 2008, people the world over have become increasingly disillusioned with the quote-unquote liberal story. This is the story that was shaped during the industrial era, which managed the world of steam engines and oil refineries and television sets. That story, Harari concludes, is a story about the ordinary people. For example, he talks about in 1938, the common person of the Soviet Union, of Germany, and of the United States may have been very grim, but they were constantly told that they were the most important thing in the world, that they were the future. They would see this in the propaganda posters that were thrown up which typically depicted coal miners and steel workers and housewives in heroic posters. And they could look at these posters and they could say, I am the future. I'm the hero of our story. But today, and we find ourselves in listening to TED Talks with lots of highfalutin and somewhat mysterious language, 
and government think tanks and high-tech conferences, etc., these common people may well suspect that none of these words are really about them. And so it leads us to the populist movements that we see today. Trump, Brexit, a number of other countries who are supported by people who have enjoyed political power, but often feared that they were losing their economic worth and control. This has been the story we have been at. This is what is dying. And it's certainly not a new story, but it's a description, I think, of our current moment in history. For humanity has been filled with many versions of these dyings and risings as a culture. But what is different today is that our awareness of each other is more. Black Lives Matter, Me Too movements, the decreasing taboos around sexuality, coupled with greater understandings of sociology and psychology, have demanded new solutions to old problems. We know more about each other than we used to. And it's worth pausing here, I think, because it's tempting to think that the world has gone to hell in a handbasket, that our problems are too great, but we have advanced, tremendously so. We are much better people today than we were 20 years ago. What the story of Lazarus reminds us of in light of this reflection is that our rising is not immediate. Death is often followed by waiting, an in-between time. It's a little bit like that moment, you know, when you take a corner somewhat fast. As you're changing directions, there's actually a moment of zero momentum, of which we're not moving at all. There is this waiting that has to occur before we can actually begin to have momentum in a new direction. And the temptation in this moment is to be a bit like Martha in today's gospel, to rush out to say, why weren't you here? Why didn't you save us? Why didn't you do this faster? But Mary gives us a different way. She stays behind and waits for Jesus to arrive. When Jesus arrives, she begins to weep. Notice, if you go back and read the gospel, it was in response to her weeping that Jesus wept. Over the years, I've found myself interpreting this story, this gospel, this moment in so many different ways. And it is the beauty of this gospel. It is so rich with layers and meanings and interpretations. But in light of the division that exists in our day, I think Mary offers us an example. Before we rush out to try and find those who can help us solve our problems, we can do well to sit and mourn about what is passing away. We have to acknowledge that our flesh, our fears, our power, our control, all of which must be allowed to die. Only then can we live in the Spirit. Only then can we live with the communion and service and freedom with which we are called to live. If we are to experience the healing that we desire, then it's not simply enough to ask to be cured or for our problems to be solved in order for us to be brought back to life 
we have to learn how to belong once again. I want to say that one more time because I think it's really critical. If we just rush to try and solve the problem, we don't really have the life that Jesus is hoping we will have. We have to learn how to belong with one another once again. This is always part of Jesus' activity. He cured our ills, but until we learn how to belong in a community, the person was never truly healed. And, we, when we and I think when we experience the kind of crises that we have seen in our world today, as dramatic as the ones that we have today, then I think it means that we are not supposed to belong tomorrow as we did yesterday. That we are meant to rise into something indeed new. But we're not there yet, and that's okay. The gift of the community is that we rarely ask each other to have it all together. Notice that Mary was not alone in her mourning. It's a really important detail. Are we willing to be with one another, really be with one another, to mourn what we are losing? Harari wasn't quite right. Our old stories are not dead. But like Lazarus, they do have to be transformed. Our awareness of one another, of the complexities that exist within us, demand a new edition of the original, a version that allows us to shoulder the burdens of one another so that we may find ourselves in a new story of our rising.